they will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? With my hook for a hand, I'll split you from your groin to your gullet. Dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. I am the eater of wolves and of children. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another terrifying installment of the greatest October in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 159, Candyman. I was thinking to myself that it's weird to actually have the subject material be Tony Todd, Candyman, because usually like when Tony Todd's in something, I'm just like, oh, it's Candyman. Yeah. So here we are actually playing the feature role. Yeah, he definitely has been uh, identified with that character for a long time, despite the fact that there have only really been three Candyman movies. Oh, this is the only one I've seen. Yeah, and they're not really as out there as a lot of the other major horror franchises. Maybe I'm watching something and Tony Todd pops up and I'm like, oh, it's Candyman, and like no one knows what I'm talking about. No, I think a lot of people do. I, okay. I, I don't know. I think even people who haven't seen the movie kind of get that, I guess. Well, I, I can certainly know. remember the Candyman story that's used in this movie. Not this whole crazy backstory, but like the idea of saying it in the mirror five times. Yeah. That was like something that I would hear when I was a kid and be like freaked out. I don't know if people knew it from this movie. I think they invented most of it for this movie, but there are variations of the saying something in the mirror thing. Yeah, right. Like the Bloody Bloody Mary Mary. and all that shit. Yeah. It's odd to me that we did three movies from 1992 in one trashy summer, and here we are kicking off Greatest October back-to-back 1992 movies. Turns out 1992 was a really important year for us, (laughs) I guess. This was unintentional. I don't think there's ever been a selection on the greatest moments in the history of forever that has gone through more last minute changes true, and sub- yeah. substitutions and debate than this movie. <laughs> it is shocking. What what goes on to get this like episode list together? The things we wrestle with. Yeah. In the early days we didn't even think twice. We just shouted something sure, out and we do were that. doing it. Yeah. How else do you think we did Havoc <laughs> as like the eleventh episode right. or whatever? Yeah, I'm not even going to say what movie we were going to do because we might still do it someday, but we had something else in mind. It turned out 
that there were some reasons that we didn't want to do it. Then it became a whole thing as to like what we were going to do. We take Greatest October and the selections very seriously. Yes, we do. So there's a lot of debate. Well, we really hype it up all year, at least I do. Yeah. So somehow we came on to this. I think it's an interesting movie to do for a lot of reasons, but primarily you don't see a lot of horror movies in urban areas. Sure, yeah. This kind of look and feel. Think, and then uh, Leprechaun, Back to the Hood. <laughs> a significant portion of the cast and the locations and everything. It just It's an African-American folklore story, at least in the movie. I don't really think that it's actually based off of anything because in reality, Clive Barker wrote the short story, The Forbidden, and uh, we'll, now, get to, we'll get to it in a minute, but his short story does not take place in Chicago and has nothing to do with right. America at all. Clive Barker, is that the Hellraiser dude? Yes. Okay. It yeah, does he have didn't a write, Hellraiser type feel. He didn't write the screenplay or direct this, but he did write the short story that it's based on and yep. then I think produced it. It was yeah, directed by a guy named Bernard Rose, who's a British guy. Rose also did the screenplay. This is what he's most known for. I looked at his IMDb. There really wasn't anything jumping out to me. Oh, I'd take it. <laughs> the budget of Candyman was eight to nine million. It ended up making about twenty-five point seven million at the U.S. box office, right. so it turned a profit. Yeah. But I think it went on to have sort of a mythological reputation. It was something that, like, before sure. I ever saw this movie. It held like a special sacred place of like, well, this is the real scary movie. Yeah. Fuck Jason and Freddy and all that shit. This was like a whole other level of horror that seemed like it had a reputation. It is unique in sort of the way that Hellraiser is too. It's not a by the book slasher or anything. No. And watching it now, I don't even really find any of it particularly scary. I think there's like one or two jump scares that are decent. But I do like the overall story and the feel yeah. of the movie. But I, I don't. I think the setting of it is a little bit more scary than any of the content. <laughs> yeah, it's not keeping me up at night or anything like that. I guess I could see why kids would be scared of it. Kids sure. definitely like urban legend type horror. Well, that I they think can try like to recreate the whole twist as to to what goes on to it. That certainly is something that would mess with me at a younger age. It's not really what you're expecting. You're expecting this guy to be the killer. In the way that the movie kind of like turns around and what they do with it. I mean, that's something that I would find unsettling, I think. So for those unfamiliar, Candyman follows a graduate student in Chicago completing a thesis on urban legends, which leads her to the legend of Candyman, the ghost of an artist and son of a slave who was murdered in the late 19th century. So that's basically the synopsis of the film. I think before we jump into it, Let's remind our listeners to follow the <laughs> yep. show on Twitter at CreatorSpod. Subscribe to our show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. Continue to interface with us on social media. We love it. <laughs> sure, yeah. Let us know that you're listening. I think The Greatest October is fun for everybody. I think everybody enjoys it. Oh, I would say so, yeah. So this film came to fruition after a chance meeting between director Bernard Rose and Clive Barker. Rose expressed interest in Barker's story, The Forbidden, and Barker agreed to license the rights. Where Barker's story revolved around the themes of the British class system and contemporary Liverpool, Rose chose to refit the story to Caprini Green Public Housing Development in Chicago, 
and instead focus on themes of race and social class in inner city United States. Sure, I think you can probably get some crossover themes there. Yeah, it seems almost, it's hard to say, I guess, what the, the thought process was. I don't know if people give credit to Rose for thinking this through or if this was just a matter of convenience. I think he preferred shooting in Chicago to England. But Well, the on-location shooting is actually really cool in this movie. Yeah, what I'm going to say, what I was going to say was, I don't know if you can give him credit or not, but the, it ultimately is a masterstroke that makes this movie feel so different from anything else. I, I think I if agree. it was just a, a horror movie that took place in England and there was no race element to it, I don't know, I think it would have been forgotten and probably seen as a lesser Hellraiser. But by moving it to Chicago, taking place in the projects, just puts a whole different spin on it and adds a weight to it that I don't think it would have had otherwise. For sure. So we have Virginia Madsen back in the mix. Yes, Virginia Madsen plays Helen Lyle, I think. Yeah, the always beloved by this show, Virginia Madsen. Sure. Tony Todd as the Candyman, Xander Berkeley as Helen's husband, Trevor, and Cassie Lemons as Bernadette, Bernie, Walsh. What other movie would you know Cassie Lemons from? Did you recognize that face at all? Uh, No. She was... Jodie Foster's friend slash roommate oh. in Silence of the Lambs okay, the year gotcha, before. Yeah. <laughs> Playing almost like a similar character. Yeah, She's a little true. more involved than Candyman. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> the movie opens with that awesome overhead shot of the, of like, the, the city Chicago streets traffic. in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. It's really awesome. cool. The score by Philip Glass in this movie is off the charts good. That's something that's actually like a recurring theme, I think, in horror. One thing that horror usually gets right is the themes. Bram Stoker's Dracula was yeah. awesome. I even think the next movie that we're doing right. <laughs> on this Greatest October had cool music. Of well, course, Phantasm, I know, I was just The Exorcist, up, yeah. Halloween. That's the thing. Like, Phantasm is not a movie that you'd watch and, and like immediately be like, this is generally accepted as a great movie. But I think like most people would watch it and be like, this score is awesome. Yeah. I love the score in Candyman. Yeah. It gives it this classy, epic feeling. The title credits as well are cool looking. And they basically yeah. are taking you on a journey. The whole opening sets a tone, for sure. As you're, like, panning over Chicago, it, it feels like you're going somewhere. And, you know, possibly the heart of darkness, possibly something bad is where you're headed. But because of the music, because of being aware that it's a sure. horror movie, you're like, where are we going? This could be going somewhere bad. Oh, it certainly bad. feels very grim. And then it transitions to the close-up on the bees and a voice, which, you know, later we'll know is the Candyman saying they will say that I have shed innocent blood what's blood for if not for shedding with my hook for a hand I'll split you from your groin to your gullet and then after a pause I came for you okay so there you have it that's pretty good but then it goes to the bees going over the city skyline it's not great a bit too much bee material for me in this movie (laughs) I don't mind the bee materials that in particular though I'm not really sure. Is that yeah. supposed to look cool? I don't know. It just—it's clearly just black specks on a faraway <laughs> shot of right. Chicago's skyline. It's okay. just the buzzing sound. It's oh god. Well, they aren't all gonna hit, you know. But I do like that it fades onto a close-up of Madsen's face. That's pretty cool. And she's like smoking the cigarette, listening yeah. to the girl. Helen is researching urban legends with her friend Bernie. In this moment, she's being told the legend of Candyman. This is the scariest story I've ever heard, and it's totally true. 
Happened a few years ago near Moses Lake in Indiana. Clara was babysitting for the Johnsons. And uh, Billy pulls up on his motorcycle. Now, she wasn't even going out with Billy. She was actually going out with Michael for about six months. But um, she always kind of had the hots for Billy because he was like a bad boy. And Michael was, you know, he was just so nice. So anyway, she decides that tonight's the night that she's going to give Billy what she never gave to Michael. Have you ever heard of Candyman? No. Well, his right hand is sawn off. He has a hook jammed in the bloody stump. And if you look in the mirror and you say his name five times, he'll appear behind you, breathing down your neck. You want to try it? So Billy began. He looked in the mirror and he said, Candyman. 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 No one ever got past four. I'm not here. Go downstairs. I have a surprise for you. She looked in the mirror, and I don't know why, but she said his name the last time. Candyman. She turned out the lights. <laughs> and what he saw turned his hair white from shock. Killed her. Split her open with his hook. So Candyman, we find out from this story. I li- I do like how they just launch right into it. They're like, okay. No messing around. This is what yeah. it's about. Here's how you bring this Candyman person right. into your world. Now we don't get the full backstory on who Candyman is, but we understand how it works now. Well, this feels a little familiar. We did the, I know what you did last summer episode, not that long ago, but they're kind of going through the idea behind Urban Legends. Yes. And then also in this movie, this killer in particular has a hook for a hand sure so yeah it definitely seems like a corruption or a variation of traditional urban legend ideas and instead of it just being like an escaped mental patient or some deranged serial killer it's tied in with a traumatic backstory that yeah digs up a lot of america's painful past with Which is race and slavery and sort all that of stuff unexpected I would say. Yeah. So Candyman can be summoned by saying his name five times while facing a mirror. He has a hook jammed into a bloody stump on one of his arms. Uh So, okay, cool. Ready to go. We got the rules and the setup. Movie time. Yeah. We got it. So one thing that I've always found weird about this movie and about the story in general, and we haven't quite got there yet, but we will. In this opening story... Candyman is summoned in the suburbs, it looks like. Yes. And kills some white people, which makes sense to me. Okay. But for the most of the rest of the movie and for basically what we are to take as his stomping grounds, it's the Cabrini Green housing projects where he kills African-American people. See, I was thinking... I don't really understand why. I don't either. (laughs) And when they play this part, I'm always expecting like the story with this first girl to like become something i don't think it's true 
Right. It's one of those games of telephone that I somebody made up a lie and then it I've had people tell me that they know a friend that something happened to them uh-huh. and then you'll find out like later in life like this is a common urban legend that people tell each other. Right. Yes. I Not anything like too. horror related but just like oh, you know, I I I picked up this girl at a club and we had sex and then we were in bed and I shit the bed and then I like <laughs> what? I put the shit on her to make it look like she shit herself. And then when she woke <laughs> up, never heard this story. when she woke up, she said, not again. <laughs> Somebody literally told me that, oh, that man. that happened to a friend of theirs. And that's everyone's I, heard that one. I just like took that to be like a real story that happened. And then I, I heard someone else say that like online or something. And I'm like, wait a minute. And then I found out that that's just something. Okay. There's like these, all these dumbass things. Yeah. About like sex or STDs or shitting yourself or shitting on the floor or embarrassing things it doesn't all have to be some guy with a hook in his hand killed a babysitter sure it's just dumb stupid shit that people say a friend of a friend kind of a stuff I gotcha. so i take it to be that this original story is not exactly true because the rest of the movie he seems pretty confined to the cabrini green stuff right. and this doesn't look like it would be anywhere near that helen's married to trevor who's a professor he's the worst how bad does trevor stink i I wanted to talk about this just scooping up this guy should not be undergrads (laughs) this actor should not be in movies he's horrible you're saying the performance you didn't even like he just makes my skin crawl well you could say that that's just a successful portrayal of a character you're supposed to hate yeah but part of it is just the look that's true yeah i've seen this guy in other things and he's always the worst I know. It's after Virginia. His name is Xander, too, which is... I know. That does stink. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Their whole relationship is questionable at times. What well, it is seems like he's already him? cheating Yes. at the beginning of the movie. I think so, too. And that seems heavily implied with the late nights and what's yeah. going on. But I don't know. Well, it How- seems like he probably scooped up Helen the same way that he's scooping up this new chick. Right. Because she's still working on a thesis. I know. So she's a grad student. Yes. They have a beautiful apartment that, like, overlooks Chicago. Sure. Yeah, this... I I wanted to talk about this maybe later when they were having their dinner party. Yeah. But it's just... It harkens to a time and to a place that just is so unfamiliar to us. And I I (laughs) I doubt really exists much anymore. But where, like, you could have the appearance of success in an endless cycle of academia. Basically, all you're doing is just staying involved it's similar to like the michael douglas character in wonder boys a little bit where you're just kind of existing in that world and people give you money to study things i know it's crazy and come up with ideas or whatever i don't know i don't know i i think like probably the listeners of the show are just like matt is just like obsessed with people's livelihoods in in movies because i am always trying to figure i'm just like i don't know the the world i've grown up in is not this where it feels like you know, yeah, I you, mean, you, it, well, especially for something like he's a professor, urban and she, legends and American folklore. She doesn't have a, a paying job, it seems like at this point. Right. Yeah. And they're living in this beautiful apartment in a pretty expensive city. Yeah, they're like Indiana Jones. OK. I mean, they're yeah. just like getting grants. <laughs> they're like going around, like finding artifacts. <laughs> yeah. Artifacts of the Candyman. That's right. So the way that this gets connected to Cabrini Green comes up next. So there's a couple of lady janitors with yes, some Candyman right. info. Yeah. Helen is listening to her interview where the girl is talking about Candyman, and then the cleaning lady tells Helen about 
a woman named Ruthie Jean, who was yes. a resident in the Caprini Green housing project, who was murdered. And the two cleaning ladies claim that the murder was committed by the Candyman. Right. So, Which is handy. Sure. This will kick off an idea that gets more developed as it goes, but just this general sense that the people in the Caprini Green housing project have created a boogeyman to explain away all of the terrible shit in their lives. Yes. There's still technically some, I guess, like condominiums or, or something or some area there that's still remaining out of what the original Cabrini Green housing project so was. So this was a but, real place? Yeah. Wow. And they filmed it in the real place. Holy and there was shit. literally like 15,000 people living in it. Wow. Yeah, it looks <laughs> uninhabitable. Yeah, it was a scary place. It became synonymous with urban plight. You could just reference it as okay. an example of what was wrong with the inner city. So much crime, so much gang activity. Very scary. They had to make deals with like the gangs to be able to film there. Wow. And they still got shot at. <laughs> One time like through it like went through a window in their van or something when they were like on their last day of filming but that's pretty serious a lot of the extras were people from the gangs because that was like the deal that they had to work out to be able to film there it was like that scary and so it makes sense that this would be the place that they would pick for this movie because i think what they decided that they were going for was to the outsiders to the well-to-do academics coming in from the outside they could explain this away in the beginning as an excuse that these people have created for explaining the unsolved crimes that have been going on in their area. Whereas in reality, quote unquote, it's just the gang element, the crime element that's really doing it. And there's a certain amount, I guess, of denial or something that's forcing them to invent a Candyman as a scapegoat. Sure, But of course, we'll find out that the Candyman is real. Right, of course. (laughs) So later, Helen and Bernie mess around yeah. and call Candyman's name five times in the mirror, but nothing happens at that point. True. And although really only Helen does it, I think Bernie backs out after the fourth. Yes. The next morning, they go to Cabrini Green. This seems like just a terrible idea. Yeah. I, which is referenced in the movie. I think, oh, yeah. like, several people will tell Helen she shouldn't be messing around down here. But uh, Oh, the other thing that happened, I think this happened back in the bathroom when they do the Candyman thing where they are talking about the apartment and she's able to pull out the medicine cabinet. Yeah, a lot of this stuff, it's almost like unnecessary. Yeah, I, I just always thought that that part was so weird though. It is like a strange so, idea. So yeah, they make it so that like Helen lives in that high-rise apartment that's not far from Cabrini Green and essentially was built by the same people the same company and it was supposed to be designed to be the same but then there was like a natural barrier i guess that separated them from like the dangerous neighborhood so this turned into like more luxury apartments instead but the design was still kind of the same and so when ruthie jean was murdered they talked about how the killer would have come through the bathroom cabinet like the mirror because you could just pop them off and they connected between the apartments it's just a strange thing too to honestly i left it out of the notes because i didn't all i didn't really feel like it made any sense and i know it doesn't really connect to anything <laughs> well it's true but i just just the feeling that there's an empty apartment next to you and you sort of are just free to remove right <laughs> your medicine cabinet and look into it i guess they include it for 
the purpose of giving the people that doubt the existence of the Candyman a way that the killer would have gotten into the apartment because she was found murdered. Her apartment was locked from the inside. That's the explanation of how the killer would have got in there. Yep. And then it also sets up some relatively scary moments when they actually go into the apartment in Cabrini Green and then they're like looking through the mirror to go into the next apartment, which is like an abandoned place and... Yeah, so then these two uppity yeah, I like chicks. the I like the sparse winter aerial shots that of them driving there. That looks I do cool. Too. Yeah, that's awesome. They're met with suspicion when they arrive. Obviously, a lot <laughs> of gang activity going on. They are accused of being cops. It's just not a nice place. Really. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually that's sort of the way that they try to like endear themselves to people is just be like, we're not cops. Yeah. It works somewhat. <laughs> There's an exploration of Ruthie Jean's apartment. They are, at this point, approaching this all from the angle of Candyman isn't real, of course. I mean, sure. they have no reason to believe he is. Should be pointed out, as they're first walking around here, it, it just doesn't even look like people live here. Yeah, I mean, there's spray paint it, it looks all like over everything. The building from It Follows when he's like wheeling her around in that <laughs> wheelchair. Kind of. Yeah, there's several times where there's spray paint and graffiti and stuff where it says sweets to the sweet. Yes. Which is from Hamlet, I believe. It's a Shakespeare thing. Okay. Never really was sure how that connects to anything. No. I mean, I guess his name is Candyman. Okay. That works. But. That's enough of a connection for me. I don't know. They meet Anne-Marie McCoy, who's a young mother, a neighbor to Ruthie Jean. She overheard the murder. Now, Anne-Marie's kind of our avatar for understanding what it's like to live in Cabrini Green and not be a part of the crime life and just trying to be yeah just trying to live your life in this hell that's going on around you and how's it feel like it's going not great but <laughs> later when we kind of get a look at what her apartment is like on the inside True. you're like well she seems to be living like she's getting it going a separate yeah. life from what's going she has a young child a baby that she's trying to protect from this world Later that night, I guess, Helen and Trevor are having dinner with Professor Philip Purcell. Who is just a pompous ass. Kind of this heavy guy with uh, long hair. Looked familiar. I I forget. I'm pretty sure I checked his IMDb. I think he's been in some other stuff. Yeah, he seemed familiar to me, too. Just this stuffy academic world that is so foreign to people like us. Uh, Yeah, because they're like trying to like keep what they're doing their thesis on like a secret and it's like gonna be like some great thing and he's like i did urban legends and Candyman years ago yes and he provides us with the full origin story it, right of Candyman. Candyman was the son of a slave his father had amassed a considerable fortune from designing a device for the mass producing of shoes after the civil war Candyman had been sent to all the best schools and had grown up in polite society. He had a prodigious talent as an artist and was much sought after when it came to the documenting of one's wealth and position in society in a portrait. It was in this latter capacity that he was commissioned by a wealthy landowner to capture his daughter's virginal beauty. Well, of course, they fell deeply in love, and she became pregnant. Hmm. Poor 
handyman. Father executed a terrible revenge. He paid a pack of brutal hooligans to do the deed. They chased Candyman through the town to Cabrini Green, where they proceeded to saw off his right hand with a rusty blade. And no one came to his aid. But this was just the beginning of his ordeal. Nearby, there was an apiary. Dozens of hives filled with hungry bees. They smashed the hives and stole the honeycomb and smeared it over his prone, naked body. Candyman was stung to death by the bees. They burnt his body on a giant pyre and then scattered his ashes over Cabrini Green. Candyman is basically a guy that was the son of a slave post-slavery ending. He's an artist. He kind of moves in high society. He gets involved with a family that asks him to paint portraits. Okay, yeah. And then he falls in love with the daughter of the family. It's an interracial oh, it's a thing. a bad move. It's basically like a public lynching. Yeah. They do some fucked up shit. They cut off his hand. They put bees on him. <laughs> I know. that all, The whole bit about covering him with bees, he's like stung to death by bees. Yeah, and then Just I think they burn death. his body Yeah, and then spread the ashes over where Cabrini Green is now. <laughs> yeah. Not great. No, but I will say about Candyman, I mean, he keeps up with the modern times when it comes to dress. You know, yeah. he's not exactly dressed like an early 1900s dude. No, I mean, he's kind of got like a Bane coat from True. <laughs> Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, his coat's pretty cool. Helen returns to Cabrini Green alone, and Marie is not around this time. Well, a kid is there, though, right? Yeah, she Jake. ends up meeting Jake. Jake is just sort of randomly loitering outside of Anne Marie's apartment. Yeah, I don't really think any, he has anybody in his life who's <laughs> making much him go going to school. On. Yeah. <laughs> Helen convinces Jake to tell her about the Candyman. So they go outside, and you see that big pile of stuff that's going to be for some bonfire oh, yeah. well, that we don't like, really understand that? Jake's yet. like, that's for the party. Yeah. <laughs> like, duh. I'm like, what party? But he's taking her out by the basketball courts. There's this outdoor public restroom, which yeah. it's like the type you would see like at a park True. or something, or I mean, along looks, the highway. I don't know. Yeah, right. Like, it's a, a courtyard area and then just this restroom and jake tells helen about this story of a young boy who oh yeah might have had like who might have been like slow or something i'm not really sure what the story exactly was right his mother was shopping across the street he had to go to the bathroom he goes in there and he's attacked by Candyman. he's actually castrated i mean it's just horrific yeah jake basically makes a comment like after that no point in living yeah, like, I think you, you watched right, the standard R-rated cut. I did, yeah. I don't know what the main differences are because I watched the unrated version, but there was like a pretty horrific shot here. I don't where think you, I like, got see that. See something, kind uh, of. E- I don't think I had that in the theatrical cut. Yeah, it was pretty wild. I mean, I was just like, Jesus, that's gross. I mean, wow. it's just for like a second, but okay. like you actually see the flashback of it. It's weird because this is like the one moment in the movie where they take this Candyman character who you could kind of see as like a cool, suave villain. 
Yeah. And he does something like truly heinous where you're just like, what is the motivation for doing this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How is this justifiable right. in any way? But I guess it comes into that gray area because we're about to be introduced to somebody who calls himself Candyman, who isn't the real Candyman. Yes. And like I said, that first girl who introduces the idea of the Candyman may not have been really telling the truth. True. I mean, that it just might have just been a rumor spread on. So no real Candyman appearances. Up we to don't know. This point. Like. Is this story that Jake is telling true? Is it reliable? Was it the real Candyman? Was it something else? Yeah. Is it just something that one of the older kids told him? And I think we'll learn over time that this is how Candyman survives. It's we, just we, this we rumor. We do learn that, yeah. Just keep people it, believing him. Yeah, the whispers staying yes. a part of people's fears and minds and everything. So she goes into the bathroom. Not something I'd advise terrible bathroom yeah one thing to be in these projects i mean i think we've all been in some sketchy bathrooms in our time (laughs) not like this yes (laughs) i mean i'd one look in there with the door open and i'd be like i I am not looking in these stalls well again it says sweets to the suite it looks like it's written in shit yeah i don't know but i mean it looks horrible (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's taking a bunch of pictures in the bathroom right (laughs) probably not a great move I just wanted to get some pictures in here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to take these back and make Bernadette look at these like disgusting toilet bowls. <laughs> like, check this out. Hey, look at these shots I got at, you know, <laughs> Cabrini Green. While in there, Helen ends up getting attacked by a gang leader who comes in with his boys. He's carrying yeah. a hook. <laughs> She's like, I- I th- I'll just leave you guys to it. Yeah. That, that doesn't doesn't take. So this guy is real. But he's assumed Candyman's moniker in order to enhance his street cred. That's like yeah. his persona. Somehow he knows Candyman rocks a leather jacket. Yeah, I mean, their jackets aren't exactly the same. That's true. Close enough. It's weird. They just kind of hit her over the head with the hook. Yeah. And Leaving that's kind of it. Like a Quasimodo type black eye. Yeah, I'm not really sure what they were trying to prove here other than, I guess, to scare her. But it's, I mean, it's not like they didn't kill her. Did they rob her? I don't think so. Interesting. Really yeah, do. what money does she have? Helen survives, and with a massive shiner, she is able to identify her attacker to the police. Right, which but, I do think there is a lot of commentary going on about police and crime and how it's treated, because it's like... Sure, Helen herself points that out right. later. Yeah, yeah, like, Helen is just like, like, this happens. Obviously, what she's doing down there, like, she has really no good reason to be there. Yeah. I, I mean... But immediately the cops are, like, storming, like, every fucking place in Cabrini Green and, like, bringing in all these dudes for a lineup so she can pick out who it was. Yeah, she points out later that two people were brutally murdered and the cops really didn't do anything because they were people that lived in Cabrini Green. And then a white woman comes in and gets attacked. And sure. It's, like, this massive sweep to get all of the... Bad element people brought in and rounded up. I feel like if this movie came out like right now, it would be getting like all sorts of praise. Well, I mean, we'll be talking about the the new one maybe at the end. Yeah. The police then are able to attribute the unsolved killings in Cabrini Green to this guy that gets arrested for attacking Helen. So it kind of is reminiscent of the Henry Bowers thing in It, where in the flashback to when they're kids... 
the local town and the police and everything are able to just be like to blame all of the child killings on this guy that they end up arresting uh-huh. henry bowers without really acknowledging the real thing and so that's what ends up happening here they're like well good enough we solved yep. it it's this guy let's pin all these other murders on him but in truth helen probably thinks that this is accurate because she at this point still doesn't believe she has no other yeah no other way to explain it so she assures jake that Candyman isn't real after a while helen returns to work which is what What (laughs) like what is her job well i guess she does stuff at the school yeah i mean i i meant like her work on the thesis thesis with bernie because they're there together that's when she's saying oh nothing was done until a white woman was attacked we find out from Bernie that the attack will likely lead to their publication. In other words, it's brought a spotlight onto their work. Right. And so now there's interest in it. They part ways in the parking garage. and Yeah, then and then this is where everything takes a turn. Helen and the Candyman finally meet. Helen. Yes? I was thinking it feels like they overbuilt this parking garage no cars in a, <laughs> at all you know what i mean and these two managed to park like so far away from each other yeah well they just they were burning the candle at both ends yep. everyone else had gone home right <laughs> they had to sit around and act like they were writing a paper for 12 hours yeah so Candyman does this you know ominous thing where he's able to like talk and it like fills the atmosphere yeah it definitely sounds cool it's very bassy he can throw his menacing. voice. Yeah. The Candyman explains that since Helen has discredited his legend, oh boy. he must now shed innocent blood to perpetuate belief in himself and continue his existence. Yeah, I mean, it feels like he was doing that anyway. Yeah, I will give the movie credit for explaining the basics at the beginning and jumping right into it and setting it up. But the specifics on how he can exist versus 
not exist is pretty gray. Okay, yeah. Because he just makes this announcement. It's like, okay, I don't really know. Just because Helen told a little boy that he's not real and then gets <laughs> this other guy arrested, I guess he's blaming her for getting that other guy arrested True. and then everybody and then in Cabrini Green thinks it's that True. guy. Right. So they no longer think it's this. Yeah. See, if we talk about it, we can work our way through yeah, it. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. Folks. It's cathartic. <laughs> we're not geniuses, okay? <laughs> we don't know everything. No, no. I probably only saw this movie for the first time within like the last six to nine months. In the Oh, wow. In the late 2000s, I went on a run of getting caught up on a lot of like 90s horror, maybe 80s horror as well. I, I know I watched this like around the same time that I watched People Under the Stairs. I've never even seen people under the stairs. Wow. It has Big Ed and uh, yeah, I know, What's Her Face. I know that they're both in it. Which is kind of nuts. And I think, isn't... <laughs> I put my hand over my eye to... Yeah, the eye patch lady. Right. <laughs> isn't Jesse from Mighty Ducks in it, or is it not? Yes, him? yeah, and he's just like a little kid in it. Yeah. And I think Ving Rhames is in it, too. Yeah, I don't know. There's definitely some movies that I haven't seen. I think we've definitely talked off mic about Candyman's lack of streaming. For those of you interested in watching Candyman who haven't seen it, it is now on Netflix. I don't know how long it'll be up there, but it's new to Netflix. Okay, so that's this, this week's movie was literally unavailable to even buy on streaming. You couldn't even buy it on iTunes up wow. until recently, and now so not a lot of fanfare around this. Scream one. Factory finally put out a cool Blu-ray of it, first time on Blu-ray, and it's now making a comeback because of the Jordan Peele sequel that will be yeah. coming out probably next year i would imagine it does feel up the jordan peele alley yeah we'll talk about that more at the end there, not that there's a ton to really say about it yeah. but yeah that's coming in the future so Candyman will be returning i guess to the public conscious because there hasn't been a new one since i think 99 okay so there so were three in the, in the 90s, 90s and then for 20 years there hasn't been anything helen ends up blacking out in the parking garage after all this, and thus begins her nightmare. And I have to say, the first time I saw this movie, everything from this moment on was so unexpected Same. and strange. This is what I was trying to speak to in the beginning a little bit. This idea that I'm picturing something where Candyman is like haunting her and you yeah. know chasing her. It's like this ongoing thing where he's like trying to kill her, and it's like not really that at all. Basically, you're taking someone who has like a good life and ripping the carpet out from under them. <laughs> and ruining it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really almost like a hallucinogenic feel to it where you're like not sure what's real or not. Right. Even though mostly what we as viewers see is real, but you're experiencing it through Helen and she doesn't have any clue as to what's happening or what's real. And it, it just... Well, yeah, that's the thing. They also... It's a jump cut. So, I mean, you don't even know what the fuck happened. You just wake up and there's this decapitated dog. She's covered in blood. She wakes up in Anne-Marie's apartment back at Cabrini Green, covered in blood. Anne-Marie is wailing. The dog has been decapitated. Right. And Anne-Marie's baby is missing. Now, it's strange because Helen wakes up, like, seemingly on the bathroom floor, I think. Yes. And Anne-Marie's out in the living room just, like, having a fit. What happened in this in-between time? I, I mean, obviously, we know the dog was taken out. We don't know where the missing child is, but why isn't Anne-Marie, like, trying to do something to Helen in the meantime? Well, I was wondering if she, if Anne-Marie has just gotten back and That's she doesn't know what who happened. or what has yeah. happened. Okay, and Helen just arises from the bathroom. 
unsure of what is happening, Helen wakes up, leaves the bathroom, approaches Anne Marie, only to have her freak out. <laughs> yeah. So then they start fighting and wrestling. Oh yeah, it should be pointed out that isn't Helen still holding like the meat cleaver or whatever? Yeah, it was like in her hand or like by her hand when she woke up. And then Helen uses a, the knife in self defense. She just like takes a big chop at <laughs> her Anne-Marie. shoulder. Yeah. yeah. So blood's coming everywhere, and that's when the cops barge in and right. she's arrested. I think upon initial viewing, you're like, well, this scene isn't real because it feels it so unreal. Crazy. Yeah, it's and it feels dreamlike because she's coming too. Yeah, and like, the cops like a, just barge in and then right. she's being dragged out and there's like spotlights from helicopters like in her face. Yeah, and, it's one of those things where it feels like the movies could go on for a while and you still think that she's going to wake up from a dream. Yeah. Disturbing scene down at the police station where that woman is like making her take her clothes off like one yes. at a time. Holding up her breast. She's like covered in blood. Yeah. <laughs> it is weird. Flashes seem to indicate some sort of psychic connection now with Candyman. We see he has the missing baby. Yes. Anthony. Right. Trevor finally arrives. And oh, that's right. Helen is bailed out. Helen tries to make her one phone call. Yeah. And, and it's to home. home. It's three in the morning. Right. No I answer. Mean, yeah. The wheels aren't spinning in her head at this point. Well, I think they are, but we <laughs> as viewers are given the shot of the empty bedroom and the made bed. Right. So we know no one's there. That's true. Where In she... her mind, he could be sleeping. Yeah, because that's what he tells her later. Yes. So Trevor bails her out. In my mind, there was no chance of bail. Now, I know she's only decapitated a dog, but there is a missing child. Yeah, the only thing I could think of there was maybe they were going to follow her and hope that she would take them to the baby. But she also assaulted someone with a meat cleaver. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that it seems too high stakes, but... And what kind of money does Trevor have for bail? <laughs> well, you only have to front 10%. 10%? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess the only way I could justify it is that maybe because there's a missing baby involved, they think by letting her go that possibly she'll tip them off in some way as to where the baby is okay i don't know i'm good with it but yeah you would think they'd be hammering her more about the baby they don't really seem to even They're like, like question her all that much about it i get it you know some of those scenes are kind of shaved off that's true keep yeah. it more streamlined they just need to get to the point but this is the classic no one believes me what can you do you look crazy and insane oh, right it's definitely like the... How are you going to explain this? Textbook definition, because, yeah, there's really no way to explain it. <laughs> I mean, they don't even explain it in the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there is no... Well, the explanation is that the Candyman did it. Right, but there's no even view of getting her from that parking garage to the apartment. Oh, yeah, well, you know? black magic. Right, <laughs> okay, gotcha. At home, Helen goes through a slideshow of all of the pictures she took while at Cabrini Green the first time. One of the pictures in the bathroom in Ruthie Jean's apartment of the mirror shows Candyman standing behind her. It's oh, the wow. same man from the parking garage. This is how we know. I mean, obviously, when you're watching this movie, you have to have figured out who yes. the Candyman is. But yeah, the <laughs> yeah. guy from the garage, the one He's is got now a standing look. behind her in the mirror. I would say pretty legit scare when the hook crashes through Helen's medicine cabinet Yeah, at her house. Yeah, that was a jump scare for me. Yeah, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, this is kind of a fun sequence. <laughs> he's like chasing her through this luxury well, Yeah, apartment. then she like runs out into the hall, and then he's at the end of the hallway, then she comes back to her apartment, then he's inside. He's basically everywhere at once. Ah! Believe in me. 
be my victim. Poor Bernie shows up while Candyman Just and Helen are having friend. a moment. Flowers in hand. <laughs> yeah. Candyman cuts Helen's throat a little bit or her neck. Oh, yeah. So right. That she so she passes there's some out again. There, yeah. And then Candyman kills Bernadette when she comes into the apartment. And it makes it seem like Helen has now murdered Bernadette as yeah. well. Which I'm sure somewhere at the police precinct there has to be a dude like, how the fuck did we let this chick walk? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like, She's clearly insane. Right. So why doesn't Candyman just kill Helen? Why is she special? At this well, point, we don't know. No, but it might have shades of another topic we talked about recently. That's true. Yeah, after all of that debate, yeah, I'm trying to pick the right second movie for Greatest October. We somehow stumble <laughs> right. into something that has like the same kind of idea as the first movie. Yeah, well, sometimes It'll that happen. just goes to show you that you really shouldn't overthink it and just... Uh, exactly, just go with what you wanted to do. Yeah. But I think this was a good pick still. Okay. Well, that's good. Okay. Trevor comes home to a murder scene. Of course, it looks like Helen killed Bernadette. She is sedated yep. and put in a psychiatric hospital. It's all hospital. over now. Candyman still has the baby. Right. I think as soon as she's put into the psych ward, Candyman drops in for a visit. Yeah, he's like floating above her while she's strapped down to a bed, and then he that goes under the bed, and then yeah. she's screaming. He's under the bed. And then later, she's shown this footage, and there's no Candyman in the footage, so she looks crazy. Right. Of course. Yes. Which I'm not ready to say that she's not. No. No. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I I'm not sure if I buy this Candyman existing. There's certainly several interpretations you can have, right? <laughs> While she is constantly sedated, a month passes. Yeah, which, which you don't realize until her. she has... And me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, she's basically been out of it for a month. She's a meeting with a psychologist to prepare her for her upcoming trial for the murder of Bernadette. I feel like I recognize this guy. Do I? I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. In order to try and prove her innocence... Yes, Helen this is a strange move. Summons the Candyman into the psychologist's office, where he then brutally murders the doctor <laughs> right, right in front of Helen. Yeah, I think this is probably another scene that was trimmed in your version versus mine. Possibly. I, I mean, I remember it was a long stabbing sequence. Yeah. Candyman enables Helen to escape out the window, and this sets off a pretty wild sequence where she's climbing along the side of the building and then going in through the window in another room, knocking out someone that works in the hospital to take their uniform. She runs out into the cold Chicago winter. Ah, yes. She goes back to her high-rise apartment. Right. Where it turns out Trevor didn't waste any time. Yeah. (laughs) They're making some changes, not just to the interior of the apartment, but to uh, Trevor's love life, actually. He's living with one of his students. I think her name was Stacy. She was in that first scene where we first met Trevor. She was hanging around, and Helen was suspicious of her even back then. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think Helen starts to put together that this was going on before. I mean, from Trevor's perspective, I mean, it's kind of okay that he's moving on. Is it? I, I, He's not standing by her even for a month? How does this look? Her friend was just <laughs> murdered in your apartment. I mean, I, I'm not... I don't know if you should be explanation m- moving for this in with... Fucking, well, he's moving with a student. <laughs> some guy that was stung to death by bees is like coming around and like haunting people. I, I'd be like... Yeah, I mean, okay, so the student thing might be a little inappropriate, but I think it's kind of okay that Trevor moves on. I mean, the, the, the bad thing is, is that he's I think you got to... With For public appearances, I think you have to wait till it plays out a little well, bit. Well, no one has to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. I, I mean, from Trevor's perspective, that would be a pretty traumatic thing, I think. Your live-in girlfriend Yeah, I feel like I could have a clip people. of Go from Gone Girl right now. Yeah. It's like, oh, I guess I'll go fuck a teenager. Right. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, that being said, I do hate Trevor and find him despicable. Awkward confrontation yeah. here. It reminded me of that Uma Thurman scene from... Oh, right, Nymphomaniac. Nymphomaniac. It's just, like, so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> it is. That girl is just like, I got Panicking. to get out of this room. Well, from her perspective, she thinks this is just an insane woman that's murdered oh, people yeah. and could do anything at any time. With nowhere left to turn, Helen flees back to Cabrini Green to possibly find Candyman, to confront him, to find the baby. She finds these murals that we haven't seen yet to this point that depict the story of the Candyman, how he became him. Right. The whole history leading up to it. She strikes a bargain for the child's life. In other words, if she will join Candyman this does on have... this haunting quest, yeah. he will <laughs> let the baby go. Doesn't this have shades of fucking Hellraiser DNA where it's like we're cutting deals with these kind mythical of. supernatural figures? Yeah, I mean, kind of. I don't think the deal, any deal that they make with, like, the Cenobites 
in Hellraiser had that much to do with the plot, though. Okay. I mean, that was yeah. just shit people were throwing out there trying to, like, save <laughs> right. themselves. Right, true. But the, it works in Hellraiser, at least briefly. Kind of. Okay. I just think that's more, like, of a throwaway thing there. Whereas yeah. this is Candyman's goal, is to get true. her to come. right. We don't fully understand it yet, but we will momentarily. He's offering her immortality, and then he does kind of a weird move where he just opens up his coat and reveals exposed rib cage and all of the bees coming out. Right. Again, like I said, I mean, we've already had the bees over the skyline when she opened up one of those toilet bowls. It was all bees. Yeah. I, I'm good on the bees. They use real bees. Wow. And they <laughs> Tony had Tony Todd just getting like stung. Well, yeah, we'll get to that. So oh, okay. they try to like use bees that were mature enough to look like adult bees, but were still young enough to where their stings really wouldn't do anything. Virginia Manson's actually allergic to bees stings oh, wow. and they had to have like an ambulance like right there all at all times. There were some times watching this where I just kept picturing this being Maya from Sideways just because we watched it so recently. <laughs> yeah. And Tony Todd had it in his deal where he would get an additional $1,000 for every time he was stung. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And I think he was stung 23 times or something <laughs> like that. But yeah, I mean, he has like bees coming out of his mouth at one point. Yeah, that's It's nuts. like real gross. <laughs> yeah, I would say that there's a lot of visuals in this that would definitely have fucked with me if i would have seen this at a younger age oh sure even like when she's first walking around the projects and like there's all that scary like graffiti like the giant face of yeah what i guess is the Candyman. right yeah so they share kind of a fucked up kiss but then she falls (laughs) unconscious again not really sure why she keeps slipping in and out of consciousness i was just thinking that he has like this effect on her like he's just able to do this to her It seems like she is under some sort of spell at this point, but Candyman and the baby disappear while she's unconscious, and I think it's his um, disembodied voice again, like that loud, overarching voice. He says, it was always you, Helen. It was always you. Oh, boy. So when she wakes up, she sees this other mural, and (laughs) let's be real. The mural doesn't actually look that much like her. Yeah, it does not. At first, I was actually thinking that it was like, well, I guess what you find out is it's supposed to be. I'm like, but before like the full thing plays itself out, I'm like, oh, this is like some flashback or whatever. Like that's the girl from the story. Yes. You know, which we find out it is. Yeah. Yeah. The idea is that it's supposed to look like her and that she's potentially the reincarnation of his girlfriend. Right. Yes. And the Candy- lover that led to the him being murdered in the first place. Yes. We found out that Candyman has crossed oceans of time. Yeah. Right. Basically very similar to Bram Stoker's Dracula in that respect. (laughs) Now, part of what we talked about in Dracula, though, was whether or not Mina actually was Elizabetha or not. Or if that was just, she just looked like her and that was something Dracula Do we have the same dilemma here? I think we kind of came to the conclusion that she was reincarnated. I I don't think there's enough evidence in Candyman to say that she actually is. There's no memory or anything. It's never like she acknowledges that. That's true, yeah. I don't know. I think people just look like people. It happens. (laughs) I don't know. Do you know how many people I supposedly look like? It's the weirdest thing ever. Like... I get the widest range of, oh, do you know who you look like? And it's, I swear there's been like 20 different answers. Well, if we, people that listen to the Postal Service episode, yeah, 
There's that. Right. I've had some flattering ones, but I, I've certainly got like Jack Black before, you know, which is certainly <laughs> not a good look. I, don't know, I think Jack Black's pretty cool. Yeah. But that's a lot of weight to be carrying around. I mean, I know I'm <laughs> not like trim, but whew. I probably weigh more than Jack Black at yeah. this point. <laughs> I don't know. I think I come to the conclusion that Helen is not actually the same person, but that's just my take. Now, in one of the sequels, I think Farewell to the Flesh, I'm not sure, you actually see the scene where he is lynched and killed and the whole thing play out. You actually see Oh, okay. It. I don't know who they used, though, because I, I never saw any of the sequels. So I don't, you know how, like, the mom from the OC, yes. what's-her-face, is the, the girl in Farewell to the Flesh. Okay. I, I don't know if know she's that. Yeah. playing the same character as as the mom on the OC. No, as Virginia Madsen. <laughs> I don't. I don't think she is, but I don't know. I've never seen the sequels. Okay, me neither. So, not so a lot to know. say about that. She wakes up. She goes outside. She hears the baby in the great bonfire pile outside of the yeah. So, the housing what's project actually there. happened that we're now at the event that we're going to have the bonfire? Nothing. They don't set the fire until Jake sees the hook. Right. She's now carrying his hook. That's true. Yeah. So she goes into the bonfire because she hears the baby crying in there. But Jake looks out at the right time to only see the hook because she's got it in her hand and she's like disappearing into the pile of stuff. And Jake is like pretty trigger happy when it comes to like declaring that Candyman is here. Because he did it earlier. Yeah, he's with, scared. Yeah, with the other dude. It's like the slightest thing. He's just like, Candyman. Yeah. So he rallies the, the rest of the residents to come out while Helen's crawling around trying to rescue the baby. The Cabrini Green residents come out, light the bonfire. Once inside, Candyman is there with the baby Anthony. He's like, hey, what's up? He tries to go back on their deal. She's like, no, no, we shook on it. He's going to let the baby burn with them in the fire. Candyman wants her to die and burn in the fire with him, then they will haunt together. All right. But Helen He's wants like, to save the baby. Fun? So Helen fights him off. She takes like a burning piece of wood and stabs him with it or something. It's kind of cool. Okay. She crawls out of the bonfire while on fire, protecting the baby, saving the baby. It's Anne Marie's baby. Yeah. She comes out, she's in flames. Right. Holding the baby out. They put her out. All of her hair's burned off. Oh, it's no. kind of like end of season one of Game of Thrones. I was just going to say Khaleesi. <laughs> All of her clothes have burned right. off conveniently. No, it's not anything like that because it's pretty gruesome. Candyman is destroyed in the fire, but Helen ends up succumbing to her severe burns. And it's very grotesque looking with yeah. her with like the burned scalp and everything. I don't like it. It's gross. But the baby is saved. And then it cuts to what can only be described as a pretty sad funeral. (laughs) (laughs) Trevor attends with his new girlfriend, but Purcell is like the only other recognizable face. Yeah, Does she not have parents or anybody? I don't know. I guess you don't make a lot of friends when you pursue this like academic life. And her only other friend was murdered. That's true. And everyone thinks it was by her. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, even... You don't think Bernadette's parents were showing up. It's definitely like one of those funerals that you see in movies sometimes where... People are just like, well, it's good she's dead. The pastor or whatever, the minister gives like kind of a forgiveness style. Oh, right. You know, where they try to... be a little positive but it's you can tell it's like well this person i think they do it in nightmare on elm street remember yeah when the kid that they think 
kills Tina ends up getting hung in his cell. True. Then I think the minister's saying like a lot of the same shit yeah, that right. this guy says. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Candyman has kind of a Freddy Krueger thing going a little bit. It's not necessarily your dreams, but he... Sure, yeah. But then the residents of the Cabrini Green housing project, led by Jake and Anne-Marie, march into the cemetery up to the funeral where Jake takes the hook out of his coat and throws it in on top of the oh yeah casket. This is an awesome fucking scene. <laughs> I love how they frame this, how it's set up, just the idea of it. Right. Like out of nowhere, here comes like this long procession of people. Yeah. You're just kind of caught off guard by it. You're like, whoa, what the fuck? Just a really cool looking scene. And I guess, you know. They know she killed Candyman? Yeah, this is signifying that they know the truth. Right. They know where this hook came from. They know what happened. They know that she did not. It's like Bruce Wayne's funeral at the end of Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Just like this small group knows the truth. Sure, except it's it seems Actually, like a quite lot large. of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they march in and they do that. It's a pretty cool moment. And you're like, all right, well, that's a pretty cool ending. Except, no, we get a little bit more. <laughs> There's a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, one more go around. Finally, grief and guilt seem to catch up with Trevor. His new girlfriend, Stacy, is trying to make dinner, but she's getting annoyed, which I thought was so funny. <laughs> He's like, he just buried his wife, who at some point he was in love with and he was married to for however long. And Stacy can't even give him like five seconds oh, of like yeah. to compose himself in the bathroom. She's just like, this fucking dick. <laughs> so mad. Yeah. He starts crying on the toilet, and then he looks into the mirror, and he says Helen's name. I guess he says it five times. Does I kinda, he? Okay. I don't know. I, mean, I wasn't even, like, paying attention to that at this point. Yeah. Because you know what's coming. Right. No matter what. I mean, you know where this is heading. So Helen ends up appearing behind Trevor. Looking she, just horrific. Yeah, she's got no hair, the whole deal. She brutally murders him in the bathroom, and Stacy ends up finding him. That's it's right. A yeah. bloodbath in there. It's weird because she leaves the movie... On, like, a, a good note, right? Like, she's saving the baby. Right. But now she really is going to, I guess, fulfill this. It's hard to say because or do you think this the, is audi- the viewing audience feels like Trevor deserves this. True. But I mean, it's like- even though that's a bit extreme. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do, but that's the thing. Do you think that this was just a one and done? Or you think that she's going to make a career? Well, no, this, like, because Candyman? I don't think it's one and done just because of the way that the movie ends with that final shot of the new mural yeah. I guess in the basement or underneath the Cabrini Green housing project, which is a pretty cool painting of her engulfed in flames, but like her head is like right. on fire, but she's like some sort of beautiful demon yes. goddess thing. So she's supplanted Candyman is like now the new thing or whatever, which I guess uh, would get erased by the sequels. I don't know really how the story okay. continues. Yeah, true. But yeah, I mean. <laughs> I guess my main thing is the people that created Candyman were obviously these racist white people at a time where interracial relationships were not met kindly. What do you mean? Oh, the early 1900s? Yeah. Yeah. So it just confuses me as to why. I thought you meant the people. At first I was like, oh, the people that made the movie Candyman. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, created I I, the I gotcha. the. the they killed off the supernatural. Uh, I think being. his name's like Daniel Robitaille. They kill okay. him and create Candyman, and then he comes back 
and mostly kills black people. Yeah, that is strange. I and don't get that. we don't know anything about Ruthie Jean, but like, why would he? Why is he enacting There's revenge? Never, right, that's the thing against poor Ruthie Jean or some slow boy who yeah. gets his dick cut off in the bathroom. Like, I know. What's that about? It is strange. It just seems very odd. Like that's it's the weird. way they would do it. Yeah. Right. I agree. I guess you could say t- you could say that if this movie was marketed towards african americans to try to get them interested in the horror movie that you want them to be scared too i guess maybe it's the idea too that they're the ones that believe in him so that's why this is happening sure yeah but you could change the rules well yeah (laughs) you can just make it whatever you want that's a rule that they made i gotcha (laughs) yeah because at the beginning of the movie the girl that first tells helen about Candyman is a white suburban girl yeah and it seems to be taking place in the suburbs her little story that you actually see right like I said, I don't feel like that actually happened just because it doesn't fit with what else we know about Candyman. That's not where he is. I know. Has no connection to anything. That's why, like, when the movie opens with that, like, I keep expecting that we're going to go back. Like, something's going to tie back into that one. But like you said, I mean. Maybe it did happen, but it just doesn't seem to fit. Sure. I mean, it. at least with what happens in the movie, it really has no value. It's just introducing the idea of the story and saying the name five times. Yeah. So I don't know. The big news, I guess, is that they are doing a new Candyman movie that Jordan Peele is going to produce. I'm not sure right now who's writing or directing it. Uh, that information's probably out there. I just don't. I didn't write any of it down. The big news, though, was they had cast somebody else that was potentially going to be playing Candyman, even to the point where Tony Todd tweeted out something basically, yeah, you know, saying, "Hey, it's been great." Good luck to this guy. Okay. But then he got it's, cast, and yeah. he's coming back. All right. Good. But people are thinking maybe it's a passing of the torch. There's going to be a new guy for potential sequels sense. or something. Yeah. I don't know. They I, couldn't get Virginia Madsen back? I don't think she's involved with this. Yeah, I don't I know, know what she would do. I mean, this is one of those things where it's just best to like act like you're starting from scratch with like a new story. Yeah, it's probably going to be a sequel slash reboot. Right. Where they want people to come in with having seen the first one and have knowledge of it, but yeah, they're going to try to kick off something kind of new, I would imagine. And it would, would not think. surprise me if the people involved with the project now were thinking about what we were just talking. We were yeah. just talking about like why is he targeting exclusively black people when it was white people that made him what he is? It seems strange. I agree. But, uh, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, so I guess for me, like, the two things that I really love about this movie, some of the opening shots that that we talked about earlier, I, I love Chicago in this movie. Like, there's really cool just Yeah, Chicago as a city. character is cool. Right. And then... All on location and, and in the actual Cabrini Green yeah. housing projects and everything. And the other thing that I love is just where they go with what happens to Helen's life. Because, for, like, you, you, you touched on it. I was trying to get there to like, like just how unexpected the trajectory yeah. of this story. The spiral is. is so weird and unexpected, and yeah, I like that it's in Chicago in the winter. It, it just it doesn't have the same look or feel as like many other horror movies. Agreed. It, it stands out on its own. So yeah, fun one to do. There was a little similarity to Dracula, but I don't. Yeah. I re- by the time you are thrown that little nugget that Helen is the reincarnated person from Candyman's past. I mean, the movie is so on its own track by that point that it doesn't really register as being like similar to the Mina Elizabeth thing, really. Right. 
What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Do you have any recommendations? Yeah, so my two recommendations for this week. Oh, wow, two. Streaming on Amazon Prime. Two of the more movies that really disturbed me and I think would be good October views this year. I think both from last year, Hereditary and Suspiria. Okay. Yeah, I was just scrolling through Amazon Prime trying to watch something, and I was just like, both of those movies I loved, and also like trying to find something to watch with Lindsay, and I was like, I don't even think I would put either of these on for her. They're like too freaky. Yeah. Hereditary, I've almost been like too afraid to revisit. I'm actually... It's a weird one to watch by yourself in, in an apartment alone late at I'm night. I'm anxiously awaiting the release on Blu-ray of Midsummer, which I think is upcoming yeah. this Tuesday, because I've seen some things online. I think both you and I were a little disappointed with it. I mean, compared to most of what has come out this year, I would still rank it pretty high. Yeah. It just didn't live up to Hereditary for me. I agree with that. But I've seen some stuff online, some interesting visual stuff that I, you know, you don't necessarily pick out the first time you see it. Right. I'd like to rewatch it and kind of come at it from a different perspective. Although it is infuriating to me that they did not include the director's cut on this Blu-ray, which has been released in theaters on its own, and it's like a known thing. It's like, come on. Yeah, that is strange. Doing? But yeah, and then the So other, the Suspiria. 2018 right. remake of Suspiria, which I think we talked about on our best of the year Absolutely. list Absolutely. It was certainly, I think, in both of our top fives. Yeah, I enjoyed both of those movies tremendously. Yeah, and they're both streaming right now, so I would recommend them for October. If you're willing to go down some dark paths, that is. For me, I just have the one recommendation. New to Netflix this past weekend, Big Mouth, season three, one of their more popular shows now, the cartoon from Nick Kroll, John Mulaney does a voice. Oh, yeah. Jenny Slate, Maya Rudolph, Fred Armisen, et cetera, et cetera. It's pretty extreme, right? It's a wild show. It's about puberty. It's kind of interesting, you know, where they'll go with it, push the envelope. It's okay. very of the time. Yeah. It's, it's all about gender equality. It's all about acceptance and and being pro-sex and sex positive, but in the right way. And, yeah. you know, it's very anti-toxic masculinity. There's definitely some funny stuff in it. Jordan Peele does a voice in that as well. I watched season three all in one day when it came out. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I've already watched it all. All right. But yeah, they've renewed it, I think, for like two or three more seasons. Like it's already oh, wow. locked okay. in that they're doing yeah. like way more. I think tons of kids like to watch it. It's it's like a hard TVMA, but gotcha. I think it's like one of those things that kids are like sneaking to watch. And all right. Hopefully it's teaching them like a positive message about sex. Yeah, I guess I could see it having like that whole like when we were younger i mean certainly like south park when that first came on it was like yeah one of those i think were, people like, would probably dismiss that like something like south park though as as just being like dirty for dirty's sake where the i think people like the overall message of, okay of big mouth gotcha it's it's dealing in tricky subjects but it's trying to make them less tricky i guess all right well, that's a positive so that's a fun netflix show i, w- I would recommend all three seasons but the, the third season just came out so i guess that'll do it for this week, uh, I think we'll probably try to 
get the next one out a little sooner. We'll ramp yeah, it up. We're right. trying to cram in an extra episode or so, something like that for this month. So get ready for a big rest of the greatest October. And we'll see you next time. Come and talk of all the things we did today here and laugh about our funny little way while we have a few minutes to breathe and I know that it's time you must you if it's any good. Are either one of these any good? Sir? What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? 
I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. You mean you haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these? Nope. Well, what about these two? Oh, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I don't it appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. I was only pointing out that you weren't paying any attention to what I was saying. Uh, I hope it feels good. You hope what feels good? I hope it feels so good to be right. There's nothing more exhilarating than pointing out the shortcomings of others, is there? Well, this is the last time I rent here. You'll be missed. Screw you! Hey, you're not allowed to rent here anymore! Yeah! two of the most frightening ghouls I've ever known.